How about if I just start at the beginning? <laughs> you, could, you could be honest. <laughs> you know what? They have the sweat equity that went into that memory that they're making with their friends and family. And that's what's important with us, and that's what the I Am Real World's about. Well, that's a great question. You know, one of the best things about a spring food plot is you get a second chance if it fails. Chasing Giants with Don Higgins. Brought to you by buyafarm.com, your source for farm, recreational properties, rural homes, and more. By tapping into Don's years of experience, dedication, and commitment, Chasing Giants focuses on the techniques, strategies, and dedication needed to harvest one of God's most amazing creations, world-class whitetails. Now, here is Don and co-host Terry Peer. Well, everyone, it is Chasing Giants, episode 78 with Don Higgins. Uh, Don, it's August 15th, and we're running a little late this evening because somebody was celebrating their birthday. I don't know who that was. <laughs> yeah, celebrating a little bit early. Tomorrow uh, is my birthday. be 58 years old, August 16th, born in 1963. Spring chicken. Um, well, not quite. It's been a pretty big weekend for me. Besides my birthday coming up tomorrow, uh, Monday, um, it was my 40th class reunion um, yesterday or last night. I got to see uh, a lot of old friends, and I'm telling you, I, when this reunion was coming about, I was kind of hesitant on whether I should go or not. You know, you, you never know what to expect, and I'm. I'm so glad I went. I just encourage anybody to go to your class reunion and um, see the people that uh, you ain't seen. You know, I think guys think, well, I got fat or I got bald or this guy makes more money than me or whatever. And you just need to throw all that stuff aside and go because I'm telling you what, I had a ball. Yeah, it's. Um, I've been to one of mine, but um, it's, it's a good time getting to see everybody. But um yeah, it's it it's been a very interesting week. Um of course most of the people that listen to the podcast listen on Monday mornings on the way to work, so it'll be your birthday then so they can all say happy birthday to you on social media tomorrow. But uh yeah. this last week outside of that, you've had a um I don't know if uh self defense mode was the right word, but my goodness, um there's a lot of people that had some comments to make uh, about your uh culling deer ideas that we talked about last week yeah i made several social media posts in a row um, back-to-back days um about culling bucks and i think that uh, you throw the, the term call out there call buck and everybody gets defensive and thinks they know exactly what you're talking about and you're trying to change the genetics of the herd and this and that and if you would use the term or if i would use the term management buck instead of call buck I think it's it's better re- received by you know the general deer hunting public, but in a sense we we are calling out bucks. You can call them management bucks, you can call them cold bucks, whatever you want to call them. It's the same thing. Um, but it has absolutely the the approach I take has absolutely nothing to do with trying to change the genetics of the wild herd. It's um. Yeah, I, I have a lot of comments, but I'm just going to let you go for whatever you want to say here because uh, <laughs> it was all I could do this week to not lose, become very snarky on social media with some of the people and some of the comments that were made. Um, yeah, it was, uh, I had to just separate myself a little bit because uh, some people just weren't listening more than what they were typing, it, it seemed like. Yeah, and, you know, you also had people that uh, they turned around. They, they, they wouldn't comment on my post or anything, but I've seen multiple posts directly related to my posts. And instead of coming to my page and starting a discussion, which I'm willing to discuss anything, you know, and, and allow the other side as long as they're, they're civilized about it to throw out their ideas. But I've seen a lot of people, well, not a lot, but, more than one person start their own post basically bashing my post and and, you know there is no defense um or or no argument i don't believe um against my position i've clearly stated that it does not work on every property 
Um, I've clearly stated it has absolutely nothing to do with genetics. Um, it's just allowing the best bucks in every age class to live on your property. You've got the power as a landowner to dictate that to some degree. You're never going to control it 100% unless you got a high fence. Um, but you can control it to some degree. You see a buck that is a three-year-old eight-pointer was kind of, uh, you know, the, the target buck that I threw out there. If a buck's only got eight points and he's got a, a smooth rack, you know, there's no bumps where other points may be in the future. In my experience, very, very few of those bucks ever amount to or are ever going to score over 170 inches. Let's put it that way. And uh, if you're fine with shooting bucks like that, I'm not trying to tell anybody how to manage your farm, but I, I'm going to tell you for absolute certain that if you've got the right property, you can absolutely increase the size of your top end bucks by culling out the bottom end of each age class. And I've done it on my place. I've seen the top end bucks year after year after year score 20 plus inches more than they did say 15 years ago. And a big part of that is because of the culling efforts that I've undertaken. And let's say you've got uh, six, three year olds on your property. Well, what I want to do if I, cause that's about what I end up with here on average is about six, three year olds on my place every year. I want to kill four of them. I want to kill the worst four. And I want to let the best two live to be five, six years old. But when There's you say no kill, of... when you say kill, that's not the bucks you're shooting. You're you're right. you're using relationships, kids, friends, family, different things to come in and kill those deer. I right. have I have a couple comments if if you'll indulge me. And uh maybe the way to do this is is I've been kind of I've bit my lip all week, and me and our good friend Josh Anderson from from down in the Carolinas even talked about it this week a little bit. If if you're okay with it, maybe I should have ran this by you ahead of time before we recorded. Ah, <laughs> uh, fire away! But I, I got a couple comments that I want to make, and I'll just make the comment, and then you can decide. You can tell me move on, <laughs> or you can elaborate or clarify. Does that sound fair? Yeah. All right, the the first thing is that drives me absolute bonkers is you've shot two 200-inch deer on a 120-acre farm uh, a few years apart. There's been years in between them where you did not kill a deer. The deer after you shot Smokey and Trump, you did not uh, even harvest a buck or a deer in the state of Illinois or any other state for that matter. So all these people come to you and ask, how are you doing this? How It's impossible to raise and have wild deer on a 120-acre farm that gets 200-inch deer. And you tell them, and all they want to do is argue. <laughs> yeah, it, it gets frustrating. And, you know, I, I, years ago, as I was starting to put the pieces together, I really worried about what I shared. Um, and I still do to some degree, but nothing like I used to. Today, I believe that most deer hunters, you could draw them out a step-by-step -step plan, what they need to do on their property, and they'll still mess it up because they, they got to overthink it. And they also, they, they can't separate. There, there's so much garbage on the internet that, and I don't blame the deer hunter so much because He's got to he's got to try to decipher what's real and and what's just garbage. You know, somebody's trying putting out clickbait uh, to drive up views on videos so that you know they can make money off a of monetized video. So the the typical deer hunter he's he's trying to wade through this stuff and he 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 don't really know what to believe and what not to. So when the good information comes along or the accurate information, a lot of times it kind of gets you know pushed to the side and not really fully embraced um, because it a lot of times it's because it's so simple it, it's not really that hard but you're right it, it's frustrating to see somebody that has absolutely zero experience and, and I'll tell you something that really pissed me off this week excuse my language but <laughs> there was a young man from Iowa and I hope he's listening that started bashing the way I hunt. Um, 
basically saying that I'm raising farm deer and blah, blah, blah. And I don't hunt cruising bucks like he does and like other hunters do. Well, the young man doesn't realize that or he must miss those posts where I post bucks like Joey I shot last year, Trump that I shot. Uh, some of my bigger bucks did not even come from my farm. Right. And, and, and what really yanked me about this guy's post is that the comment really had nothing to do with the topic. Yep. Here's this, this 20 year old punk that's never done much in his life on his own. Um, bashing me, um, for the way I hunt. He doesn't even know how I, Well. and and it's totally off topic uh, of what was being discussed. Now, if he would have been talking about, uh, you know, arguing about culling bucks or whatever, I could have had a discussion with him. But when it, it becomes just a personal attack that I don't do it the way he does it and, every, and he thinks everybody else does, so he's trying to discredit me. And and I know this this young kid uh, well enough that I could have just ripped into him and threw some things back at him that he could not defend. Um, but I just, I just let it go. And I just blocked him from my page. Well, and it's, um, it never fails. We have usually one person every year that pays to come to your master class that just argues the entire time. It's like, look, you paid to come. My, my point to all the listeners are, is not are is there's something that you've done. That's different than 99.9% of all hunters and land managers out there. You guys continue to ask for it. Don's not charging for this podcast. He's not making this a uh, pay-per-view class that you have to take an online clinic and pay $49.99 a month to be a member of this thing. What what just drives me bonkers is everybody says it's impossible to do it. He has to be doing something different. He has to be doing – but then when you disclose it, you got to argue. So that that's the first one. The second thing that I have is um, um, there is we'll, – we'll go ahead and for the people that listen to the podcast that we, we hear about, there's another gentleman that is from Tennessee that posted a one of these. He didn't reply on your comment. He made one of his own and said, you know, I listened to the guys. He's shot some big deer, but, you know, and this is on his post. Somebody sent it to me, and I didn't comment. I'm not friends with him. Um, but uh, he showed, he said, here is an example of a deer that would have been killed on the Higgins farm, and look what he turned into. Well, the picture of the three-year-old that he had was an eight-pointer, but it had split G2s, and it had another kicker on it. (laughs) It's like you missed the whole first part of what he's saying. That's a deer you let live. It's it's like they, they choose to only listen to certain aspects of what you're saying, and then their whole argument they throw back at you, but... What about this one deer that turned into a non-typical with a drop tine and a curled down main beam and flyers off the back that, and he was still only a 160, 165 inch non-typical. It was a great deer, but he uses that one as an example to say how you're full of crap. And it's like, you didn't even listen to what he said before you start arguing. Yeah, and I've I, I seen a whole post with just numerous examples that people were posting of supposed three-year-old eight-pointers that turned into giant and i never said it don't happen it does happen yep but in my experience i mean i was doing this way before i I started i changed direction and started this management plan with my bucks i used to let them all live all of them and and what would happen is those clean rack three-year-old eight-pointers would be the bucks that stuck around from each age class. Right. The better bucks with each age class, they left. They, they didn't stick around. They left the farm. And, and I think it was because the clean-racked eight-pointers were often bigger-bodied bucks. It was the bully bucks, if you will, people call them. Yep. And so that's what I was left to hunt every year was the bully bucks because the bully bucks in each age class, they ran off the better bucks in each age class. And what I found with them bully bucks, them clean racked three-year-old eight-pointers, was probably no more than one in 20 or one in 25 of those is is ever going to make that jump like people want to post examples of. And I know there's numerous 
examples, but how many thousands and thousands of three-year-old clean eight-pointers are out there? Well, Tens what, of thousands of them. What you're doing is the equivalent of the movie and of the true story of Major League Baseball called Moneyball. You're, you're taking basically a statistical approach. Are there going to be deviations in the plan? Absolutely. There's always going to be. But you're playing the law of averages. Um, you know, Josh and Josh Anderson and I were talking, and it was the other thing that I think is is hard for people to grasp is that number one, this means that you're not always going to shoot the biggest buck on your property, and I think people have a hard time with it. When you really when you really cut to the chase, people don't want to not shoot the biggest buck on their property. Uh, you, you you can say that I'm full of crap or not, but I think the average hunter has a hard time, regardless of age structure, that the average hunter has a hard time not going after the biggest buck on their property. And the other thing, too, uh, is is that the average hunter has to understand that what you're doing in this plan that you're talking about isn't to raise a deer to a 160-inch buck, which is what all of these examples that these people were throwing up about don't shoot this deer, he becomes a giant. Well, you're you're trying to get 180, 190, 200-inch deer. They're talking 160, 170. Completely different animals, right? For the most part, you're exactly right. So, And you, you know that what it really boils down to is I, I, I really don't care how somebody else manages their farm. I'm not making these posts on social media saying, here's the way you need to do it. Yep. What I'm doing is, as I'm saying, here's how I did. If you <laughs> you're answering wanted, the question on how you got two 200 inch deer on your farm, yeah, exactly. That's all you're doing. And uh, you, you know, instead of uh, someone really listening and and giving it some thought, they immediately start. I mean, I don't even think sometimes they even read the whole post. Yeah. They, they just see call buck. Here's a picture. Blah blah blah. blah. There's Research has proven that you can't change the genetics. Well, I never said anything about changing the genetics. It's the uh, other it's the other of, the other funny thing I see in this is the word "cull" has been uh, inappropriately used by celebrity hunters. Uh oh, that was interesting. Are Sorry, you I'm out in my shed. My uh, air compressor turned my air on compressor again. Just kicked on. We're nothing but quality yeah. people. Anyway, yeah, um, I need to learn to unplug that before we start. But uh, I think I think the celebrity hunters have taken the word "culbuck" in vain, because on the last day of their hunt, when they're getting ready to fill their tag sandwich and they need footage for their TV show or their YouTube channel, they say, "Oh, I'm going to take a culbuck," and it's an excuse that people have used to shoot a buck that maybe not wasn't the target at the beginning of the hunt. Um, and it's kind of like instead of just admitting, hey, I settled for this buck because I ran short of time on an out-of-state hunt or I made a mistake and shot the wrong buck. I've been there. I've done that. I did that uh, two years ago. Um, but instead they say, oh, well, it was a call buck or it was a management buck. It's – you know, I th I think that the celebrity hunters have also uh, probably jaded everyone when it comes to talking about cold deer. I think you're right, and I also think you're right about the fact that that most deer hunters are not going to allow the biggest buck on their property, no matter what it is, to to walk. And I can cite countless examples where I've done that. How about the the year before I shot Smokey? Um, the footage that I shared that's you know, he was 186 inches, probably 10 yards or less from my tree stand, uh, comes right under and walks away. I mean, that video clip, people raved about it. He was the biggest deer on the farm that year, and he didn't get shot. And, uh, you know, the next year he puts on 20 inches, and I shoot him. How about Mel? Um, when, as a three-year-old, over 200 inches, um, had an opportunity to shoot him when he was in the blind with me, Terry, and, and he walks. Well, how about um, the how ball. about the six by five? I could have shot him exactly. twice on your property as a three and four year old, uh, pushing one seventy, and he was not on the hit list. And uh, you know uh, the story of him might still unfold this year. We don't know. 
time after time after time, there's been bucks on your property that either yourself or the people you allow to hunt are not supposed to shoot. And they might be the, the first, second, or third biggest buck on the property. Yep. Well, this year, the biggest buck that's going to be on my farm this year, unless something happens that will be totally unexpected, but the biggest buck I expect to be here this year is a four-year-old that's probably going to score 170 to 175, and that buck's not getting shot. He's going to be the biggest buck here, and he's not even going to be targeted. Um, that, that just doesn't fit with most people's idea of managing a property. They've got to shoot the biggest buck on the farm every year. So. And no, regardless of age, and they want to talk about age and how imp- much more important age is than than antler score. Well, that that's not true for most deer hunters. They're after the biggest buck on the farm, and and they don't know if he's three, four, or six. Right. Uh, they shoot him, and then they make up a number later. So. And uh, a lot of times they believe what they're saying. I'm not saying they they make up a lie, but. Uh, you know, they just can't let the biggest buck on the farm walk. So it it was a rough week for me. I kind of avoided it because it, it, <laughs> here's the thing, people. We're not telling you what to do. We're trying to help. And all, all Don is doing is answering the question of how did he manage to take a 120-acre farm over 30 years that eventually got to the point that he's had multiple booners and he answers the question. He to do this, you got to be doing something different. Well, he tells you what he's doing different, and then people don't believe it. So I don't know. Well, here, here, here's something else before we move on to the next topic. I, I also in episode 31 uh, of Chasing Giants podcast. If anyone wants to go back and listen to it, Doctor Bronson Strickland was on, and I had no idea that he ever promoted any sort of similar management plan and I, I laid out on that podcast to him here's what i'm doing on my farm um what do you think of this and he he immediately spouts right back off because he was waiting for me to quit talking he immediately fires right back he said not only do i think it works i wrote a book about it <laughs> and uh so i've got one of the most well-respected biologists whitetail biologists in the entire world validating what i've been doing and people still want to bash it. Well, like they are smarter th- than this guy. Well, that's just an example of how we should prepare for interviews a little bit better than we did on that one because we yeah. should have known that he wrote a book. <laughs> well, he's, I think he wrote multiple books, but uh, yeah, but we should have done a little bit better job uh, prepping for that one. So <laughs> we had no, no doubt, I- we had no idea he wrote a book on that one. <laughs> but still, he valid he validated that approach to buck management. Yeah, and when I made a post about that, it, it got bashed. Like, well, all kinds of people with degrees write books. That doesn't make them right, you know. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay, show me an example where you did something different that worked better. Yeah, that, that's what I need to throw out there. If you don't like this approach to managing bucks, what are you doing that's better? Well, or, and, don't, and or just, or just simply don't do it. Just don't yeah. do it. It's, yeah. It's, I don't care what you do on your farm. <laughs> if you don't like the way I manage my bucks, that's fine. Manage your own way. Yeah. Who cares? Oh, well. All right. We've, we've been negative Nancy too much tonight already. So, uh, well, what we got positive to talk about, I think you had, uh, I seen something about you and cell cams. Didn't you post something you was going to talk about tonight? And I don't even know what yeah, it is. Yeah. So uh, I, we were sitting at lunch today after church, and uh, my wife Casey asked me. She said, "When when are y'all going to record?" And I said, "Oh, sometime tonight. I don't know." I said, "I got to tell all the listeners that uh, um, that I was that I was wrong." And she she kind of looked up at me and she said, "Well, that should be a special segment." And I said, "What's that supposed to mean?" <laughs> I said that that I was wrong or that I admit I'm wrong and my son said both. So so I told I told my wife that this segment of the podcast is sponsored by my wife Casey Peer because I'm going to clarify a couple things about cell cams. Um I had some really good conversations with a couple uh uh people that are a whole lot smarter than me this week and uh you know I think both of us have kind of 
claimed and talked about our concern of the technology, but I want to remind people that 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 relationship to our concern is about when you have poor service in the area. I do think there are good cameras that work well, but when you have and you're trusting these things in spotty service is where I think people don't go the extra step in checking that, and then they rely on cell cameras to be their only intel, and then they're disappointed. So I hope people understand that clearly because I don't think I did a very good job before explaining it. Um, I, I do think there are good cell cameras out there. It's just when you're putting them in rural areas without good cell service, like your uh, Reconics out in Iowa, I looked at some of those. The signal that you have in some of those camera areas is pretty poor. Um, I think in those cases, if you rely solely on cell technology, uh, you'll be disappointed. So uh, one of the things that I was uh, I noticed this last week is WiseEye came out with a update to where you can do a time lapse. And I was talking to a guy about, well, I really don't want to use time lapse on uh, a cell cam because, you know, that's just a random picture every, and I always think time lapse is taking one like every 20 minutes or 30 minutes on a field. But the idea he had is that you put a time lapse for, say, once or twice a day and just to prove that the camera's working. So if you're worried that batteries went dead or that something's wrong with the camera, as long as you're getting that time lapse, you know the camera's working, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. I think, and, and, the, and the better cameras, the Reconyx, the Exodus, the WiseEye, the ones that, those are the three that I have right now, all of those have those features. Now, I will say that you have to be careful. I'm not going to be tech support for each of these cameras. Um, some of them you have to make sure that different settings are different ways so that time lapse and standard trigger is both turned on so it's not just taking the time lapse picture. In other words, when a deer walks by, you'll still get that picture at an odd time. But I think that's a great tool that for those of you who are using cell cameras can change as a setting on your camera. That way when you get, because how many times, Don, have, have you looked at your Iowa property and you hadn't gotten a picture in three days? It's happened to me. Is it oh, happened? yeah. So if you, if you turn that setting on, then, hey, I'm getting two. I, I'm expecting to get two pictures a day whether something's in it or not. At least I know my camera is still active or nobody's yeah. you know, snuck up behind it and turned it off and stole it. Um, mm-hmm. So I thought that was a real good tip that I heard this week that uh, each of the cameras that I have are, are being used. So make sure you study up on your settings or call the customer support. Um, I think that's a great tool and a great idea that I can't take credit for, um, for people that, you know, are worried that, hey, I've been four days without getting a picture, is my camera still working? Um, so that that might be a, a, a great tool. The second thing is our friends at Exodus uh, told me that on their camera, which which I never even would have guessed this, but when you look at the picture on their app, you can click info, and it has a file number. Well, you don't have to worry about going back and looking at the SD cards for how many pictures you miss, because if, if say, there was sequential numbers of, of the pictures that got sent to your phone, say 112, 113, 114, all the way through 150, you know that you got every picture that that camera took. If if you skipped 114 through 127, you know that camera did not transmit those pictures because every picture, they save the file name as a sequential order. So that's an, that's an awesome tool for people running Exodus cameras that are worried that, uh, you know, they might have missed pictures or that the camera didn't send it to them and they have to go pull the SD card. You don't have to pull the SD card. You can just look at that file name and see whether uh, you've skipped pictures that's been skipped to the app. So, uh, again, I give my – I know you were on a recent podcast with the guys from Exodus. I just continue to tip my hat to um, those guys at Exodus uh, for educating the industry. They did a great video on what SD cards to buy, the specs of SD cards, and that applies to any camera, not this theirs, but – 
I really appreciate those guys' approach um, and uh, wanting to basically train or educate consumers, uh, not 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 by selling their camera, but what are good practices, whether it's batteries, winter storage, uh, SD cards. They do a phenomenal job. Yeah, they do. And, and again, they're some of my favorite trail camera people in the industry. Just great guys. And I've got one Exodus camera. It's a cellular, the render. And I, this is my second year of using it. And so far it has worked flawlessly. Yeah. So uh, this, this segment sponsored by my wife, because I told her I would tell people I was wrong. Um, special segment. She said it needed to be. So she doesn't listen to the podcast anyway, so it doesn't matter. But anyway, just sure just ma- just making sure people understand the concerns that we have are when people rely on this technology when there's not service. So I think it's important for people to know. Yep. All right. Hey, um, before I forget, uh, I got a, a call from our buddy Chris Yates this week. And, uh, you know, he's been trying to navigate uh, you know, dealing with all of these leads of the the listeners and the followers of Chasing Giants calling about the deal on the diesel trucks. And, uh, you know, his hands have been tied by the manufacturers because of the shortage of chips and how hard it is to get these trucks. And depending on what people called, you know, he might have said, well, they're not letting us order high countries right now or they're not letting us order, uh, you know, stripped down work trucks. So sometimes he would just tell people, I'm not able to order that truck right now. Call me back or we'll get back with you. Um, I did talk with Chris this week, and he said that they have filled almost every special order of truck that that people had uh, put put in place. And this week, the manufacturer opened the door, and Chris is allowed to order any spec truck that he wants. So uh, Chris wanted to remind everybody that's been kind of in limbo or waiting for the doors to open up about uh, him being able to order trucks now. The green light has been given. He can order whatever. Um, Interest rates are creeping up. So this is the time that if you've been considering buying a truck, especially if you're trading in an old one, you'll never get a better trade-in or lower interest rate for this deal. So give Chris Yates a call. And, um, um, now's the time. So he wanted me to tell everybody he's sorry that, you know, he couldn't take care of everybody that called in, but the manufacturer kind of wasn't letting him order what he wanted. Good deal. Cause I think I sold him at least one more truck last night at my class reunion. There you go. Um, yeah, I gave his number out to a couple guys and, uh, I'm pretty sure at least one of them will end up buying a truck from him. So, yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and give Colby's uh, phone number out, but it, send Don or I a private message on social media. We can we can hook you up with Chris or Colby, but uh, give this number a call eight one six two six one two seven 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 Victory Chevrolet. But uh, if you've ordered a truck and haven't gotten it yet, it's on its way, and the green light is open. He can order any spec truck you want now. Um, I hope that this uh, backlog of trucks and chips and all that is is getting a little bit better for him. Yeah, for sure. I I know Chris is a great guy, and he's going to do all he can to get you the exact truck you're looking for. So my dad's actually in my truck right now. My nephew, uh, his car broke down somewhere down around Myrtle Beach, so dad was trying to figure out how to get it back, so... Uh, he he drove down to the house tonight, and him and my mom are going on a little road trip in my Duramax. They took it down there to tow his my nephew's truck back or my nephew's car back. So he's getting a little road time in the diesel. Yep. Well, he'll probably be ready to buy one when he gets home. All right. Well, before we move on to the buy farm, do you got anything for your best and worst of the week? Hi, I do. Um, neither one has anything to do with hunting, but uh, that's often the case. So. Yep. Um, you know, the best thing I've seen this week uh, on social media, there was this uh, American pole vaulter in the Olympics, a lady um, pole vaulter, and she, her father passed away when she was younger. And she writes his name on the side of her shoe. And before she 
runs down the track to do her pole vault. She reaches down and she touches the side of that shoe uh, where she's written her dad's name. And you know, what I thought was so special about this is that her father made such an impact on her life that he is always on her mind. Uh, when out, she's out there doing what she was born to do, a world-class pole vaulter. And every time she runs down the track, she's reaching down and touching that shoe before she starts uh, remembering her dad. And I, I think there's a real strong lesson there for the rest of us. You know, um, I, I've said many times, I think one of the most important things we'll ever do on this earth is raising our kids. And we have the opportunity to have a huge impact on our children. And this gentleman who's no longer alive, his daughter is is thinking of him and carrying on his legacy, if you will, every time she does that pole vault. And uh, I thought that was pretty special. Very cool. Yep. When you live your life for servant leadership, um, you'll be blessed more than you could ever imagine. For sure. Um, if you want to be a blessing or if you want to be blessed, be a blessing. Mm-hmm. I've said that many times too. But yep. What's your worst? My worst is, is these COVID mandates returning. <laughs> this garbage, this political disease is just getting out of control. And, you know, it's really polarizing the country. It's almost it's become one of those issues where you're on one side or the other, and the other side is definitely wrong. And uh, you know, one thing that was really interesting is one of my best friends from high school that I've seen at the reunion is a an attorney in California. He lives in Pasadena. And uh, so there was five of us standing around in a group last night, including me and him. And he went around the group and asked us if any of us had COVID and and all four of us had, he had not. And he says, well, I now know five people who've had COVID. He says, I've only, I only know one person from California where he lives that's had COVID. Nobody else out there has. And uh, I come back here and I find that everybody's had it, um, which I, I found very interesting, as did he. But, uh, you know, these mandates, the masks, the, the manda- mandatory vaccines, and all that is, is, in my opinion, it's a government that's totally out of control. When you start forcing um, the population to do certain things, and I mean, I just, I just can't buy it. And the reasons, um, I mean, if if the vaccine works, well, then people will take it and they'll be safe, and you don't need to dictate to the other people. If it works and people are stupid enough not to take it, well, hey, uh, let's use natural selection to clean out the gene pool. <laughs> but uh, I don't believe it does work, so I'm willing to take a chance. In fact, I I believe personally that uh, you probably do more harm to your health than good by taking the vaccine. Now, if you disagree with me, I'm fine with that. I don't care if you get the vaccine. It's like, I don't care what cold bucks you shoot on your property. Do what you want. I'm all about pro-freedom. People should have the choice to decide. If you want the vaccine, by all means, go get it. I don't care one bit. I'm not going to make fun of you for getting it. Just do it. I've got plenty of friends that have done it. But don't dictate to me that I've got to do it, too. And these COVID mandates coming back are are my worst of the week. Yeah, it's it's definitely – I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. Um, I know a lot of hospitals are mandating employees. I think um, employers are going to start mandating it. Um, it's, again, if if you want to get it, have at it. If you don't want to get it, I support you just as much as the people who don't. But, but it's none of my business what you do, and it's none of your business what I do. That's, that's, that's my kicker. Um, yep. I'm not going to disclose whether I have or I haven't to anybody. I think if somebody knows me well enough, they know, they can guess pretty good. <laughs> but yeah. but regardless, it's none of my business and it's none of yours. So if you if you want to get it, have at it. So all right. Well, I'm sure uh, I'm sure some people are laughing right now. Right before we go on to the buyafarm.com property of the week. Buyafarm.com is your source for farm, recreational properties, rural homes, and more. 
Now, here is Don Higgins with this week's Featured Property. Okay, this week's Featured Property is very special. People, listen up. I know that uh, we promote these properties every week and, and talk them up, but I want you to pay close attention to this one because this is a property that both Terry and I have been on. I've been on the property multiple times. It's within 30 minutes of my house in an area that I know very well. Um, it's 175 acres. It's located in Coles County, Illinois. Um, of the 175 acres, there's 112 of that that's tillable, uh, income-producing acres. Uh, so, uh, like 12 of it's enrolled in CRP, and then about 100 of it is being cash-rented. Um, the, the remaining, you know, what would it be, like about 160-some acres mm -hmm. is, is wooded um, and grassy draws, grassy waterways. There's a pond on the property. Um, there, there's also a house on this um, 175 acres. But the thing about this house, and it's a very nice house. It was built by the seller in 1975, or, or 85, rather. Um, it's located right in the corner of the property. So the owner does not want to subdivide this property off or divide it up, but you could buy this property and turn around and sell that house and three or four acres there with it off the corner of the property. And you still got the, the big chunk of uh, the prime deer hunting. Uh, one of the best things about it, it, it lays out, it's at the head of a drainage. So uh, in two directions, it's nothing but pretty much open ag fields. And then in, in another direction uh, along the road, uh, the road runs along the north side of the property, but directly across the road is a large no-hunting sanctuary, uh, just teeming with deer. Um, so so that, uh, that, along with my knowledge of the area, and, and Terry, you know the area pretty well too, um, it's just a fantastic potential to develop that property into a good deer hunting place um, because that tillable acreage you know you can it, it's a blank canvas you can go in there and with the crp program you can create large tracts of uh, bedding grasses you can put the food plots exactly where you want them um, the timber on it there's some mature timber some some giant oak trees in there um, that definitely have some value. I I would hate to guess how much, but uh, um, I would think there's at least a hundred thousand dollars of timber on that property. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it's really the layout of this thing and the potential that that really has uh, my interest. And it's a brand new listing. Uh, it's only been on the market. We, it just went on the buyafarm.com website on Friday, so it's only been on there two days so far. Um, if you want more information, you go to that listing, look for the 175 acres in Coles County, Illinois. Uh, the agent uh, that you'll want to call is Todd Hewing. His number is 217-663-8087. Um, you can also reach out to me as well. Um, you know, one other thing that I need to throw out about this property is it's really close to town. Um, you're within five minutes of a Walmart store and a Rural King store. So, um, you know, if you had a hunting camp there, you decide to use the house for a hunting camp or even live in it, you know, you're really close to to all the conveniences offered by Walmart, Rural King, restaurants, whatever. What's the cheeseburger um, and chili place? Um, McHugh's. Oh, yeah, you're really close to that. McHugh's restaurant is, <laughs> is, is close right there in Charleston, Illinois. Um, there's a two outbuildings, actually three. There's a 24 by 24 garage, but there's a a 42 by 64 pole building with a concrete floor, insulated. And then there's a smaller, an older 16 foot by 40 foot open front farm building for storing equipment or whatever. Um, but the great thing about this property, people, I'm telling you, this one has the potential to be laid out to slay giant bucks. And uh, as I always do, if you use me as your real estate agent uh, to buy a property, I will consult on that property for free and, and help you design a plan. 
this property is close enough to my home that, you know, I know enough people in that neighborhood, whatever you need, I could find it for you and point you in the right direction. So uh, this is one that really needs to be checked out. Well, if it if it means anything to the listeners that might be interested in this, this thing, this property is in the vague neighborhood of my hunting lease, which is not quite as big as this one. This one's 175 acres. Mine's just over 100. But I tried to lease this property uh, earlier this summer, and uh, the landowner and I had a verbal agreement that if he did not uh, decide to sell, um, this would be um, leased by me this year so i went i went after this property this year so it's the real deal folks so if you're interested give todd hewing a call why don't we give todd's number one more time todd's number is 217-663-8087 you've got the opportunity to be hunting right in the same neighborhood with uh terry and not far from me my home actually so Go check it out on buyafarm.com or follow them on their social media or give Todd a, a phone call. We can, uh, Don can put you also in touch with this, but great property that we know very well. All right, before we move on to um, our listener submitted questions, just a couple quick updates about our Lester's Feet kids that we're trying to help. Um, we got some bad news this week. Uh, the 13-year-old named John that's been battling leukemia. Uh, he did not get very good news this week. They're trying to do one little last-ditch effort. Um, say a prayer for him and his grandma and his family. Um, um, unfortunately, um, we're, they're starting to get to the point they don't know if they can do anything for him anymore. Uh, very sad, um, but we'll, we'll definitely keep praying for his whole family. And then little Adley Ward, um, the youngest of the two Ward sisters that has leukemia, she is back in children's right now and going on about uh, probably 36 hours of a very high fever that they can't get down. So she is a little, um, a little girl who is very sick right now with a couple infections. So please keep them in your prayers as we uh, as we move on through the week, and um, we appreciate it. So. With that, what kind of questions do you got for us tonight? Uh, the first question comes from Curtis Martin from Narvon. I hope I said that right. Narvon, Pennsylvania. <clears throat> Curtis says, Dear Don and Terry, what are spike bucks? Are they yearling cull bucks or born late to a last year yearling doe? With that being said, should we shoot them or let them run? Keep up the good work. Oh, spike bucks, um, they're yearling bucks, uh, bucks that are that will turn a year old um, as they've started growing their first rack. Um, being the fact that they're spikes, there, there are so many different reasons why they might have a spike the first year. It could be that they were born late. Um, it could be nutrition. It could be genetics. Uh, there's no way to really know, and, I, and I'm not an advocate of culling you know, yearling bucks at all. Um, so, so no, they are not call bucks. And, uh, the reason for them is just multiple reasons. Uh, one thing I did want to point out is that, you know, a lot of times I use the term yearling buck and uh, people question what I mean by yearling buck. Is that a, a buck that was just born that, that year? And, or is it a buck that was born the previous year? And I use the term yearling buck as a buck that was born the previous year, if I'm talking about a buck that was born in the same year, I usually call it a button buck because that's what it is. But or a fawn. Um, I just wanted to, yeah, I just wanted to clear that up because when I use that term, I get people questioning what do I mean by that. So, so hopefully that clears that up. All right. No, nothing to add there, Terry. No, I think it's spot on. Okay. Next question comes from Chris Chapman from Mansfield, Ohio. Um, Chris says, Hi, Don. I listened to all of your and Terry's podcast, and the other night you guys were talking about not seeing any mature bucks on trail cameras that you were interested in hunting this season. It made me think, and I wanted to ask what you and Terry thought of this. As much as I enjoy trail cameras and the info that you can gather from them, do you think that in a way they are hurting or hindering the enjoyment of hunting? 
when anyone who starts hunting has a deer walk up, it's an instant rush and feeling you can't forget. I think some of it is the unknown factor of what may walk out at any minute. And I almost feel in a way trail cameras rob that unknown factor from the experience and that feeling that comes with the not knowing what may be coming down the trail. Second part of the question is if you don't have any mature bucks on camera, would you or Terry be willing to consider to go on an unknown property and hunt to experience the unknown factor or feeling with no trail camera information? Thank you for all the information you share and more so for your faith and willingness to help others. I am saving and will have you consult on my property in the near future. Until then, I'll get all I can from the podcast and emailing you with my annoying questions. LOL. God bless and nothing but respect to you guys. Well, thanks for, for the uh, compliments, Chris, when we certainly appreciate your question. Um, to jump right in, the unknown factor. Yeah, I, I understand exactly what you're talking about because, you know, when I started hunting, trail cameras didn't exist. In fact, they didn't exist for about the first, uh, what, 25 years or so that I hunted. And so I, I know the thrill of, you know, not really knowing what is out there until you literally lay eyes on them. And uh, it is something that I miss because I cannot tell you the last time a buck walked by um, one of my stands that I did not know that buck. Um, if I, if it happens, it's usually a yearling buck that's, you know, uh, trying to find his home range and just kind of wandering around. But when an older buck, say three and a half and older walks by my stand, I, I know the buck. I've seen this picture many times, um, often have multiple years trail camera history and that unknown factor or that surprise is gone. And it is something that, that I do miss in a way. But on the other hand, I enjoy the fact or I appreciate the fact that when I spend time in a tree stand, I, I can know without a doubt that I'm putting myself in the home range of a shooter buck or buck that I would want to shoot. Um, without trail cameras, that's a whole lot tougher. So, uh, you know, I appreciate that unknown factor. But um, and, and I totally understand the ethical issues that some people have with trail cameras. But for me personally, I don't want to give up my trail cameras. I'll just leave it at that. And the second part of your question is if we don't have any bucks that we want to hunt on camera, we'd be willing to consider to go on an unknown property and hunt, um, you know, to experience the unknown factor. You know, I'm going to be in the woods whether I have found a target buck or not. Um, and I'll be doing things like you just described. It. A lot of it will be, scouting you know from a tree um especially when you get onto a property like for example i'm gonna be hunting iowa this year where i've got no past history um so in a situation like that um when you're just learning how the deer are moving on a property you don't really know for sure um it'd be a whole lot easier to miss getting a buck's photo i'll be spending a lot of time in the woods this fall in places in iowa that you know i don't have um or i will have that unknown factor the next buck that walks by very well could be and probably will be a, a buck that i don't have pictures of so uh i guess to answer that question yeah i certainly will consider that because me not having a or have found a mature shooter buck does not mean that i'm just going to stay home and not be in the woods I do. Uh, I don't know of every deer that's in Illinois. I can't, based on the properties that we hunt, um, and Don's been on the properties, there's always bucks that show up. So I still do get a little bit of that myself. But, you know, we're the more we build up the history year after year after year, we do uh, kind of understand and, and see bucks year after year. Um, I guess for me, there's usually a pivotal moment in everyone's kind of hunting career or journey and that that time for me was when I killed the old guy buck on Don's farm and I got to see you know how rare it is to you know see a buck that's 10 and a half years old and then confirm it and and the the history that Don had documented with that deer and what's what's driven me now to where um I guess I get more of a kick out of trying to tweak a property 
um, come up with a plan and see deer get older year after year that killing them, I want to kill deer, don't get me wrong, but the land management side of it is what intrigues me more than anything right now. And it's how can I do stuff, especially with a small piece of property like mine, which is right at a hundred acres that I'm able to kill a six and a half year old deer off of it about every year. Um, you know, I don't have 200 inch deer on there, but I'm still holding age structure. Um, that side of it is the most intriguing kind of part of the, what I'm into right now with hunting. So I don't know if I answered your question or not, but, um, yeah, we still get excited when there's bucks that show up that we don't know. But for me, I like the land management side of it and, um, the stuff that we're doing to habitat just as much as I am hunting season. Well, I agree with that for sure. So, uh, hope that answers your question, Chris. All right. Um, last question comes from DW sword from clear spring, Maryland. Um, he says, Don, I have come across national deer association podcast where they were discussing mowing of clover. They were saying after years of study that it's better not to not mow your clover plots. They claim the negatives of mowing the clover are no quality gained in the mowed clover versus the non-mowed clover, reduced quality now that it has been mowed down, more open space and sunlight for weeds to start growing in, and reduced amount of deer activity in the plot for weeks after the mow. They suggested instead to spray your clover as an alternative to mowing and that if you were to mow mow it, that it should be done once a year in late August or early September to eliminate the seed head. In my opinion, at that point, the seed head would have already been produced, and all that you're mowing is doing is scattering the weed seed all through your plot. I've always heard that keeping your clover mowed produces new tender growth and that mowing is far better than spray. What is your opinion on this topic? Well, this is uh, the reason I picked this question is because of the timing. You know, it's saying if you're only going to mow once, do it late August, or early September, which is coming up. Um, just to be brutally honest, Mr. Sword, there's a lot of things that the National Deer Association, also formerly known as the Quality Deer Management Association, puts out that I totally disagree with. And this is one of them. Um, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think. Uh, Keeping your clover mowed produces a, a more tender plant. The plant never matures. Um, at, at this point of the year, any weeds that are growing have already went to seed, so you're just producing more weed seed. Uh, I'll be honest, I mow my clover about every 30 days. Uh, about once a month it gets mowed, and uh, it really helps keep the weeds out. Got very little weed uh, growth in, in my clover. Um, I just can't imagine what it would look like if I let it go all spring, all summer, and didn't touch it until late August. It would just be a weedy mess. And I totally and strongly disagree with the National Deer Association's uh, stance on care of clover. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys trying to get away from herbicide use. And, and here they are saying to use the herbicide uh, instead of mowing. And that I just I, I just don't like that at all. Um, I will continue to mow my clover plots. Um, if if you would prefer another route, I, I guess uh, you got the National Deer Association's uh, blessing. But I'm certainly not going to be doing it. Um, wow. Um, go talk to a dairy farmer and ask him about alfalfa and what it does better. The isn't it usually the third cutting has the highest nutrients of, of, of feed value? Absolutely, it does. So, um, you know, when you use agriculture science as the backing of what you're trying to do, which is what Real World was kind of founded on, um, you learn a lot. And um, if, if that was the case, the people who were wanting the highest feed value would never mow their alfalfa. But the third cutting... There's something to it. so. Well, it might help to explain a little bit what happens with that plant. So, you know, a plant's 
goal, if you will, in the spring is to reproduce, to produce seed. And so that plant is, you know, uh, which will eventually become the seed heads and uh, it's going to mature. And, and once it's reproduced, it, it's just like once it's reproduced, it starts declining. And the, the feed value in that clover, once it's produced a seed head and produced seed, um, the nutritional value in that clover declines. Um, and but if you keep it, if you mow it and keep it mowed, well, the plant never goes to seed, so it's always putting on that new tender growth, trying to reproduce, but yet you never let it. And uh, the the nutritional value of the browse that the deer get at that point is much higher than if that plant had just matured. Mm-hmm. Agree. So. All right. That ought to stir up a little controversy, don't yeah, you think, Terry? But we won't shy away from it. No. Nope. Speaking of, was that your last question for the night? That was the last question for this episode. Well, I promised everybody we would talk a little bit about the food plot pictures that uh, I took today. Did you happen to see that post? I did. Okay. Um, I just skimmed over because I've been so busy today with the church, and then uh, I had a family um, meal this afternoon or this evening with, uh, my daughters, uh, for my birthday tomorrow. So, well, it was being a, a little facetious with the post and saying we were going to talk about it tonight, which we were, but I took a picture, uh, walked out into the middle of my bean field on the east side, which is the furthest away from the bedding area, walked out in it. It's up over waist high, pulled a plan out and took a couple pictures of me standing out in it. And then, of course, I had my tailgate down on my 25 HD, and it was almost the the width of my tailgate. You know, a lot of pods, still a lot of blooms going on on that plant. And then took a picture of the roots and got to see all my little mini marshmallows down there. So um, um, I, I didn't take that post to talk about nitrogen modules or blooms, late blooms versus early blooms, three beans per pod versus four. Um I did it more along the lines of people need to be a little bit more real with social media. And what I mean by that is I have a two acre plot and I was in the furthest away from the, 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 uh, the bedding area. It's up over waist high, but the browse on the other end of the field, those beans are 10 inches tall. And I think that especially people that are with pro staffs or representing a hunting company, they always only represent themselves based on the very best that it could be. It's like the guys that sell brassica seed that raise a purple top turnip the size of a volleyball in a flower bed. <laughs> you know, they, 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 they do that for an appearance, not reality. And, um, you know, I think, I think what we have to do as land managers is not only just focus on the nitpick, what we want the community to see about how good something can be, but what the real world, uh, uh, situation is. And the other side of that field, you know, I only have 10 inch tall soybeans that maybe have 15, 20 pods on them. And that's not going to do me much good come January, so some decisions are going to have to be made here in the next week about how much of that I'm going to till under and plant back in deadly dozen uh, just because, you know, I'm trying to let it go as long as I can for browse. But uh, I think I think that we, we get ourselves in trouble sometimes always just representing the only the fantastic side of it, not the reality, if that's what make, if that makes sense. Well, and you see it all the time with the brassicas. You know, you talk about the uh, the turnips. Well, you know, to get them giant turnips, the best way to do that is to plant uh, early, not not when you should be planting. You know, for your plots. So, you know, a lot of those results can be skewed. Um, photos can be deceiving. Yeah. So just keep that in mind, people. Um, we're going to try to uh, walk through some decisions that I have to make on my home property. I got I got the best beans I've had in, in many, many years. And I know everybody thought that we were going to turn that into educating about the beans producing nitrogen back for the soil. And 
there's a, there's people on social media that are already hammering on that. We're not going to go into it, but um, I want to focus more on reality and trying to make decisions on what's going to be best for the property and my hunting season coming up this year. So uh, stay tuned for that. Awesome. What do you got going on this week? Uh, we have a lot of meetings going on at work the next couple of days. Um, Monday and Tuesday, I'll be tied up in a conference room with uh, some of my closest coworkers from all over the country. Um, even with the um, COVID mandates, we're still bringing everybody in for some meetings. And then starting on Wednesday, our good friend Austin Razor is bringing as many excavator to my house, and we're digging trenches all around my property, putting in uh, uh, yard drains and French drains and burying hard pipe in from my gutters to to get them out to the road. So last I figured we're laying about uh, 820 feet of hard PVC pipe, which isn't cheap right now. I can't imagine building a house. Well, um, I can tell you a horror story about <laughs> building a house this summer, so uh, I don't think we want to go there on this episode anyway. So, but, but yeah, we'll be uh, on Wednesday and Thursday, we'll be digging trenches with a mini hoe and burying pipe. So that's what I got going on. Well, I'm actually going to head back to Iowa this week. Okay. Um, I've been studying aerial photos and. I've reached out to some landowners and I do not have permission on a new, any new properties yet, but, uh, I'm going to stop and talk to some people. Um, I'm going to move some cameras on the public land that I've got to, those on need to refresh some batteries, take some, got a couple of cameras that have died there in Iowa that I need to put fresh batteries in and, uh, see if I can find a giant in Iowa. I'm not having any luck in Illinois. So, uh, We'll see. Maybe this was the I picked the right year to uh, draw that Iowa tag. On any of your cell cams on public land, have you gotten other people yet? Um, I'm not, not that's at nice. all, actually. So uh, that's, that's a good sign. The bad sign is I've, I've got lots and lots and lots of doe pictures and fawns, but uh, no big bucks at all. I don't have a buck that would even approach 150 inches um on all those cameras and on public land in iowa now i do have a buck that's probably around 150 on on private ground but you know i'm looking for something a little better than that yeah all right well we'll get an update on that next week and before we close congratulations on your official word from pope and young well thank you yeah um got the certificate uh back from mel his official scoring that was done i think it was back in may but uh they've accepted the score of 197 and three eighths and that makes him in their record book will be the number six all-time typical ever killed by a bow hunter it's fantastic i wasn't expecting that i didn't even think he would be in the top 25 so to be in the top six uh it's pretty special all right. Well, we'll look forward to an update from Iowa next week, and uh, probably within the next week or two, I'll be up in Illinois planting fall plots. So got a lot coming up here the next couple of weeks. We hope you guys stay tuned and listen, and, and Don's going to take us out with our sponsors. All right. We want to thank buyafarm.com, Victory Chevrolet, 360 Hermes Lines, Lone Wolf Tree Stands, wildlifefarming.com, Quiet Cat, Vortex Optics, Vengeance Camo, Real World Wildlife Products, and Matthews Archery. Hope everyone has a great week.